Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My guest today is Anthony Kieran, a seasoned and serial entrepreneur who's currently in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and has a few incredible stories to share with you today about his business and his life. I had the pleasure of meeting Anthony earlier this year at a conference in New York and uh, was just mesmerized and amazed by by everything that he's done and that he's gone through. So uh, I invited him onto the podcast and he accepted. So with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Anthony Kieran. Well, thanks, Brian. Thank you for uh, for the invitation. And I'm uh, delighted to be on the, on your show. So Fantastic. How did I do on the introduction? Did I do that? I you did. You, I mean, I, I I didn't really know who you were talking about there for, <laughs> for a minute. Thank you. <laughs> sure. So you grew up in South Arma, Ireland. And when you uh, shared your stories with me, I mean, I was just I really was amazed at, at what you had gone through, but more importantly, where you are today. So I'd love for you, if it's okay with you, to share some of those stories that you had in, in your childhood and, and how you overcame them to become who you are today. You know, I think um, th- this was actually mentioned. Uh, my wife spoke at the New York, New Belfast conference, and uh, she she did, uh, she mentioned this, so you'd, you'd, you would probably remember that. But like, um, I suppose there's a couple of things that happened probably that, that, formed me as a, as a person I am today. At the time, they were indicative of the period we were living in. I mean, the, the first thing that that it's a current it's a current situation now in, in the papers here in the media. It's a, a I boarded at a school in Newry and the uh, priest that presided over the whole school, he was a notorious uh, paedophile. Um, now, he didn't Thankfully, um, I, I didn't suffer uh, in, in, a, in a sexual manner um, at his hands, but I saw plenty of boys that did, and we didn't really at 11 years old know what was going on. But um, certainly um, I witnessed violence at a, a very, um, I would say, a, a, a very bone-chilling uh, le- level in, mm. uh, in a number of instances uh at his hand but um it was the violence that that kind of that that i remember mostly and, and the yeah. fear as an 11 year old you know and you, you move on from that 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 almost felt normal because i wasn't the only one getting beaten up or, or locked unconscious um you know there was plenty of other boys young boys my age and older as well yeah. so you kind of dealt with that and it wasn't until many years later that in fact when i was in america that all of a sudden uh, the the man had passed on. Mm-hmm. He passed away, but um, all of the allegations came out, and now there's a large lawsuit. In fact, um, thankfully, one of the, the 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 poor victims was just awarded a large settlement there, which is it, it'll never be enough, as you yeah. know. It'll, it, yeah, it never will be enough. But um, you know, I mean, so so I, I suppose I. <laughs> It wasn't until after the fact when I reflected on some of the things that I witnessed and whatnot. You think, God of Almighty, I, I have two boys myself. Mm-hmm. I'm delighted they they will never see anything like that in their lifetime. And please, God, their their sons or daughters. Um, 
So I suppose that was indicative of the time, you know, the, the Catholic Church were all powerful. You never question it. Right. I, said, I said to the newspaper at the time I, I was front page of the Irish News when, when that story broke um, because of what had happened to me in, in, a, in a physical violence sense. Mm-hmm. But I said that, you know, had I been reporting the guy, I would have been reporting him to himself. So, you know, what's an 11-year-old guy going to do to a man so powerful? Right. So I think the, the other thing that you're alluding to that came up at the uh, the New York New Belfast is the the bomb. And I think probably that's the, mo- the most definitive um, thing that, that happened to me. And it kind of shaped my life in so many ways. Not that I knew at the time, but when I was 18, uh, you know, actually I have the distinction of having been uh, involved in two bombs in a 24-hour period, the second bomb um, blew the car I was driving in up and unfortunately uh, took the life of a British soldier mm-hmm. uh, who was a four-man foot, foot patrol in South Armagh at the time. Um, you know, and there, there's a lot. I, I, I talked to Marcin Amelier about that uh, many months ago and um, he understood things that I'd seen in that, in that instance. And these are things that stick with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I suppose you know I had um, it. If anything, it cemented in me a a drive <clears throat> and a desire because I think at that point I was always an average student. I think anyone who went to school with me would would agree I was a fairly average student. Um, never hit hit any highlights. Uh, got a, got a degree, an honors degree, of course, eventually. But um, I think. Well, when that happened, like I was 18, 19, and I was I was coasting through life at the time, mm-hmm. but I really decided literally within a day, I'm getting out of here. I'm mm-hmm. I'm done. Done. I, I and so effectively I quit Ireland. I quit mm-hmm. the whole of Ireland and I, I moved to Liverpool. I had been accepted onto a degree course here in Belfast, which I would have gone to probably, and I would have just ambled through and probably started a nine to five job, you know, working for a corporation or whatever. But I went to Liverpool um, immediately after graduating from Liverpool. I was on a, a plane over to America because I spent my year out in America. And I went over, you know, again, that was through a peace project thing between uh, Pittsburgh, the Ireland Institute of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. where they brought uh, Protestants, Catholics. Um, you know, you, to remember, this was when the, when we went over, that was what? 1991, 92. Mm-hmm. So the peace process hadn't started at that point. But um, I got to America and my eyes were open. Pittsburgh, I thought, this, Jesus, I've seen nothing like this in my life. You know, going through the Fort Pitt tunnels was a, something I'll never forget for the first time, seeing the big skyscrapers and, and yeah. whatnot. We, we had arrived in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. From I, I think we'd flown in far enough to to Washington or, or whatever, but we it was at night and, and it was the next day we seen the hotel outside. We, we drove through the tunnel and finally saw the, the city, you know. And then hearing the stories, there was meeting many um, many people out there. The O'Donoghue family, for example, and their father had come from uh, Listowel, rags to riches, came with five dollars, I think, at the time. And you know, here he was a self made man, multi multi millionaire. Um, 10,000 square foot house and you know you saw a number of people like that uh, successful in, in in various ways but I think I think at that point then I knew 
I was going to America. America was my destiny. And so it, it happened. So the minute I finished my degree, uh, I went or I went to, to Pittsburgh again, on to Washington, D.C., where I, I ended up working for NASA. And um, I met my wife, um, who is from just outside D.C. In, in Virginia. So and the two of us live here now. And, you know, I, I think but that was the catalyst, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Literally the very next day, I decided I'm I'm leaving it, and um, you know I, I came back, and we'll probably get onto it a little bit. Um, I came back because I've always felt as if I don't finish business in Ireland in okay. in of how I left. You know, in a previous podcast I had with a gentleman, an Irishman, Sean O'Dowd, um, who you may know, he was at that New York New Belfast conference, and he um, he oversees. Um, of the family wealth division at a company, Silvercrest Asset Management. And a lot of the his clients are entrepreneurs. And he said a common thread that he's seen with people who've had incredible success is that they've had to overcome some severe or, or horrific adversities young when, you know, in their younger lives that, that, that the, the, Things that you talk about, as you said, were catalysts to get you to start the rest of your life, the path that you are maybe not initially chosen for, but one that was set up for you. Um, Do you look at it that way? Do you look at it and say, well, I went through these horrific things, but they they made me the person that I am today. So I'm 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 either. I'm either grateful that I that I was able to to choose this path, or is it that I was destined for this path no matter what? Yeah, I mean, I, Brian, I I definitely think that uh, I'm a firm believer that that you know your destiny is there. Um, it's just it just depends on on when when you know your fate. How you choose. So that bomb, for example, um, I could have gone one of two ways. I could have just put my head in the sand and I could have said, well, you know, that's that's it. But I, I said I, I needed a break. I needed an, a, a massive break from Ireland. Um, you know, that led me through Liverpool, first ever big city from a country. I mean, think mm-hmm. of the small countryside I came from. Liverpool was like a sprawling metropolis. And yeah. And then, then to go from there to uh, to Pittsburgh, and then on to Washington D.C. But I mean, I, I, the minute I landed in Pittsburgh, I knew this is where I need to be. Yeah, I, I just knew this is where I need to be. And the, you know, if if I kind of ambled through life, maybe from eleven through you know sixteen, seventeen, before mm-hmm. that, you know, just doing enough to get by, no real mm-hmm. kind of. You know, you can look at my report cards. They're, they make for great reading, very funny reading. In fact, in, in a lot of instances, could do better was a, a common theme. But I think when I got to America, that really kind of um, it inspired me that if you work hard, if you go for it, you can do. And, and I'd never had that. So I think it was, you know, it was a, one of these things that you, you can't plan in life. Um, am I glad the bomb happened? No, I'm not glad it happened, but it did happen. It's how I reacted to yeah. it yeah. afterward. And, and that's what I would say when I'm talking to uh, to even my sons 
um, you, you know, it's it's how you react to things mm-hmm. is will define your life, really. Yeah, um, there's a great Viktor Frankl quote. You know, the world can take away from you everything in your possession except for the freedom you have. You know, it, with with how you respond to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the yeah. world can give you everything, but they can't take away how you respond to it. You know, it's funny, and it's interesting what you mentioned that that immediately after that happened, the next day you got out of that situation. And I think there's something to that where, you know, a lot of people, if they had remained in that situation, maybe they wouldn't see any hope for a future. And that's, you know, and so there's something about being in a crisis situation and then immediately moving yourself into some form of recovery. And, and yeah. it's like Liverpool was the beginning of your recovery. And then, of course, Pittsburgh. But I, I, I didn't know it at the time. You know, so right. when you look back on it and you realize that it actually was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that you saw that you saw a future and there's hope. And oh, my God, this is what's available to me. And given that I was so close to losing everything, I'm going to make sure that I take advantage of everything that life has to offer. Oh, completely. That That's an in, in I did say that actually um to another uh, gentleman I was talking to that, you know, you really feel, you know, when, when you go through something like that, you feel blessed every day that I actually can get up this morning. Mm. I, I can um, do whatever I want to do and I can make a difference. Um, both when I'm, when I was working uh, both in Pittsburgh for a massive law firm. And then when I was working in NASA, I says, I'm going to make a difference every single day. You went in going, I'm going to make a difference today. And I'm, I'm going to spend my 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, but by God, I'll have my, uh, you know, uh, whatever your promotion at the end of three months, you're going to guarantee that you keep climbing that little ladder. So, Mm. Mm. uh, yeah, yeah, it was very much like that. Um, So you you and your wife come back to Ireland because there's another story of of rejuvenation and rebirth. You come back to Ireland and you you have an incredible entrepreneurial career. I don't know. How many companies do you have right now? Oh, right. right well, right now I have, um, I have three active businesses and then I'm involved in about maybe four other businesses. All right. So that's a lot on your plate, but you come back and uh, tell me the story about the Regency Belfast, how you and your wife, um, decided to kind of give like a new life to this hotel. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and again, with a lot of things, Brian, in life, I think um, you just got to go and, and you got to, it's, it's a bit like, how do you deal with it? So initially I bought these buildings. Um, I bought the one building initially to move my company, which is uh, used cars. And I were the largest car portal um, in the North. Um, at the minute and um, have been for a long time. But I I pretty much bought the building to move the guys in. Mm-hmm. Within about, um, again, you know, things happened and we were fighting a lot of red tape, um, you know, and, and it was Belfast City Council. They had, they had, uh, they had um, stopped us from working because it, it's a listed building and we were using materials that that although I still contend that we sh- we 
where quite rightly they were being used in many other buildings, listed buildings, both here in Belfast and further afield. But anyway, we fell foul of them and we we were in a kind of a litigation situation with them for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID hit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Know, COVID hit. So in the meantime, you know, you, the, the, eventually we figured things out with Belfast City Council and, and actually they've been great since. Um, but they... During that time that we were we were sitting kind of on our on our hands, we kind of thought about all right. I had a, I had a decision to make, so I had to move the company into a, a rented building. Mm-hmm. So then it, I, I'm left with a, a building, an old Georgian building, massive Georgian building, and I said, "What what what the heck do I do with this?" At that point, then we started hearing about you know um, boutique hotels and people wanting a little bit different than a kind of a, a like the the normal box hotel room, rows and rows of them in, in you know corridor after corridor, and we decided um, to buy the building next door. So now we had two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we decided to do was create something really special for Belfast and to return it as closely as possible to its in the way it was in 1846. When um, at at that point there was a there was a guy. Um, J.P. Corey, and you know he had he had lived here, and I, I think uh, Richard Bogue was an ex Lord Mayor of Belfast. He lived here. He was one of the biggest textile uh, manufacturers in uh, Northern Ireland at the time, importing or exporting it all over the world. So we decided to kind of right, let's let's restore it as closely as it would have been to when these guys were alive mm-hmm. in eighteen forty six right up to the early 1900s. And I think we've done a, a pretty decent job. I mean, we, um, as you, you said, the Forbes article came out yesterday and uh, it was incredible. Um, it was an incredible article about it. But one of the things that any, anyone who stays here, they notice is that the, the attention to detail and how it, it you know, it, it really has, we've reinstated all of the period features plus all of the mod cons that you'd expect uh, in today's luxury accommodation so Forbes called the Regency Belfast the most luxurious place to stay in Northern Ireland yeah what does that feel like yeah that that um I I had to read that twice um (laughs) it was three times maybe uh no Brian it, it was it was incredible um you know, and the article it, it goes, and thankfully it does go on to to talk in in detail about the team that yeah. made the the people that stayed from Forbes magazine that made their their stay so special. And um, it's it's look, it's all about as you know, it's about who you have around you. You can't mm-hmm. do it on your own. So we're blessed that we have such an amazing workforce, and uh, they're. They're just incredible. The team here is just really incredible. So, um, and everyone's bought into it. So, so tell me how that because that's a big theme in a lot of our podcasts: a positive company culture where people love to come to work. You know, in 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 the U.S., Gallup uh, does a study, and they break and it's it, employees take the study, their survey, and it lumps them into one of four groups. You're either actively engaged, engaged, disengaged, or actively disengaged. Now, here's the amazing thing about this, Anthony. 
pre-COVID, I want to say it was maybe 27, 2018, there were 32% of all employees were either engaged or actively engaged. 32%. So one in three. And, and, and Gallup was touting that as the highest percentage that, that had ever been in their studies. And I, and I read that and I said, am I the only one who sees that two out of every three employees would rather be doing something else than working for your business? And so it really highlights how special companies are when maybe two thirds or more are engaged and actively engaged. And it sounds like that's what you have. So without giving away any trade secrets, how do, how do you find people who have that mentality, who want to run to work every day and, and, and want to turn the ordinary into extraordinary? I mean, it's, it's, it is a difficult thing. I think the uh, overriding um, mantra that we have in the company is that, well, firstly, you never be afraid to, to hire people who are more intelligent than you and who are better than you. Well, that's and, easy and, in my company. So, and it's, it, and it's easy for me. It's, it's easy for me as well because I look at everyone um, that we hire, even from the junior people. And now there's there's uh, young Isabel, and and who is she studying? She was studying law, and uh, had one year in her law degree to to um, to do. And she came uh, she came to us, and uh, she started doing housekeeping in between in the summer, and then she decided she loved it. Wow. But she came to me one day and she said, look, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to finish my degree. And I said, you are going to finish your degree. You're definitely, you're, you're this close. Yeah. Um, you don't need to do law at the end of it. You can do. So she has stayed on. She's finished finishing her degree, but we are sending her and she starts next week on a marketing um, course that she will go down and she's now getting into event planning and marketing via us now. But the thing about it is, is that, I'd, I'd like to think that we are very open people mm. that you can talk to us and say, look, I, you know, this is what I'd like to do. And, and let's find a pathway to to how, you know, like in, in Isabel's case, she was studying law, but she hated law, really. Mm. But now our passion is events. And we're going to it's perfect for her here because we're opening up a multi-use event space now next month, uh, just just down from the Regency across the road. Um, gorgeous space it would be but um, I think you have to listen to people and respect and I, you know that yourself Brian mm -hmm. if uh, you know and you have to be compassionate as well and, and you, you know what is it to say until you, you walk a, a day in a man's shoes you don't know what what's gone, gone on in their life you know uh, to well, know me walk shoes so I, and and again, in doing my homework for our podcast, I went on and I saw you have an employee who who summited Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, right. and I read about all of the support she raised money for a cause, and it was it was I saw a lot of people it seemed like who were supporting her who either worked for your companies or were friends of the companies. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. There, there is, I mean, we are so fortunate across the tech business with uh, Youth Guards and I, and then the Regency, it is like having a family in many, mm -hmm. in many ways. And, um, you know, like Katie, Katie, again, is, is another uh, case in point. Katie had actually, like, she's one of the, the, the bright stars of the whole organization. And there's many bright stars, 
But um, a couple of years ago, she was about to leave and she was saying, look, I um, I want to go back to university and I want to do something. But it was my business partner, Cecil, who had actually said, he said, you know, I don't think that she really does want to leave. So he, mm-hmm. he brought her for a cup of coffee and he put the question to her and it turned out she said, no, I really don't want, I kind of thought I wanted to do this. And she was, she'd handed her notice in, Yeah, but she then retracted it. And now Katie is, I mean, she is on a, a path to, to senior management. She's in senior management right to the top. And um, she does things like this crazy stuff like, like Kilimanjaro. And I don't know what our next thing will be, <laughs> but you know, we, we shake our head and, we laugh and uh, there's a lot of them like a lot of people in the company like that, that they do things that uh, it, they just are quite inspirational. And so we try to support it. And it's just like having a family member. Really, that's what it's like. So the highlight, I, I got to think this is like one of your crown jewels for the Regency Belfast is that when the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement for Peace in, in Northern Ireland was celebrated. You know, President Clinton and Senator Mitchell and their their spouses, Heather and uh, Heather Mitchell and Hillary Clinton, came over. They stayed at your hotel. Yes, for the week. So um, their entourage as well, Brian. And what was that like? Hey, let me ask you this. I, I, I want to know what it was like. What was it like for you? Did you take did you take a moment to look back uh, on where you had come from as a child in in South Arma mm-hmm. to where you are today? Basically, I see this fantastic picture with you and the Clintons and you and the Mitchells. And do you ever look at that and say, "Yeah, that's me. That's yeah. I I I did this. Yeah. I mean the the it, it was incredible." Uh, but also it gave me an opportunity. If you can imagine, you, you, I, I never thought I would get the opportunity, Brian, to close the circle because, you know, the Good Friday Agreement um, happened in 1998. And um, I said to Andrea before we were married, I said, this changes everything. I said, this yeah. this, this will change everything. Um, and that was the, again, talking about a catalyst, that was the catalyst for me to return back to Ireland. Yeah. And because and I because I always felt as if I don't finish business, I always felt as if um, I needed to go back and, and do something. Um, so it, it was amazing because I got an opportunity to speak with uh, both President Clinton and uh, also one-on-one with uh, Senator Mitchell. Mm. And I gave both of them a letter outlining what had happened mm. and the fact that the building that they were in staying for the week would never exist but for the negotiations that they had um, successfully you know, conducted that allowed the Good Friday Agreement to, to go past. And in fact, in both instances, I got, uh, I, I received letters. So th- they were they were dumbfounded. I mean, they really couldn't believe yeah. that it had a full circle, Brian. Yeah. Here I am face-to-face in a building that I now own, talking to the two men that had actually constructed or were a big part of the Good Friday Agreement that allowed me to come home. So it was one of those, um, it certainly was a, a, a closing the circle moment for me. And they shook hands with me. Uh, both of them shook hands with me. Uh, it, it was incredible, uh, incredible moment for me personally wow. 
Um, so, you know, but the the actual, um, I'm sorry, the the actual week itself, it, it it in many ways it was like a blur because they had the they had all, everything in in the regency was taken and the secret service were everywhere out the back yeah. out the front, you know. We we had special access into into the building, of course, but um, there were like 16, 18 hour days. I'm not going to kill you. Yeah, we yeah. Were going, home. I didn't see my my kids, my two boys, for like a whole week. Yeah, and then of course, uh, yeah. But it was it was. I mean, there was amazing things that happened too. I mean, there was on the Saturday night we were sitting and we had a, a chef in specially to cook a special meal for uh, for all four, but they they had gone out to dinner. Uh-huh. And it, turned, it emerged that President Clinton decided not to eat dinner because he'd eaten lunch or whatever. So he came back early. <laughs> so we're in with all of this food that was prepared in the Regency that had, was going to go to waste. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with eating President Clinton's potatoes and, uh, you know, this incredible meal. And he walks in and goes, hey, guys. And so I'm immediately you're standing up immediately. I go and he goes, no, 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 please, no, no, eat. And he says, but can I get a plate as well? So uh, so he got a plate of food as well. And um, it was one of those surreal moments that we were mm-hmm. there, just myself, Andrea, Katie, and uh, and President Clinton and the chef, and, uh, and and just talked for half an hour. You never get, you don't get access to these people. Yeah. Um, well, in your case, yeah. you do. In your case, well, <laughs> and and I wonder what what the future holds for you and and the Regency Belfast. I think great things, obviously, and and all your employees. You know, as, yeah. as we're, we're embarking on phase two now, Brian. And phase two is I. It's going to be incredible. I, I, I the concept I have is going to be a brand new concept for um, for Belfast. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll reveal it at some point. Maybe we'll talk again. I'm uh, having fact, you back on. And maybe, maybe you'll be the first. Maybe you'll open it for me. But this is going to be a new concept. But think about um, something that that will lend itself really well to the Regency. It'll be in that period, but it will have mm. um, wellness centers, gyms. Um, there is going to be licensed part of it. Um, okay. It, it's it's going to be incredible. Hot and cold water therapy treatments that kind of thing as well. So that's going to be phase two. All right. I want you um, back on because we're, we're in the home stretch. I, I know you have you, you're pressed because you've got a full day. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to help share your story with my listeners in the U S who I know are right now Googling the Regency Belfast, the most <laughs> luxurious uh, hotel or a place to stay in Northern Ireland uh, as per Forbes. But you have a wonderful story and there's so much. Let me ask you a final question for business owners who are just starting out or who are dealing with adversity now. What advice would you give to them? Oh, um, you know, and I, Brian, I do. Uh, I, I One of my other businesses is an um, investment company. Mm-hmm. I, I do invest in young entrepreneurs and uh, I love that. That's a real passion for me. Um, I think, I think number one, I would say to them, um, follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, surround yourself with really good people and good mentors. And bear in mind that some people who give advice out, it's not always good advice. So be really wary about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take money if you don't need it. 
Yeah. Uh, for any of my businesses, well, bar the buy or borrowing some money to buy the next building over, mm-hmm. which we're paying off. But I, I haven't um I haven't borrowed a penny. I haven't raised a penny. Um wow. for it. I've always I've always gone my own way um on it. And and I, I thank my lucky stars every day that 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 we didn't go that route to to raise so and, and raising works and, and again we invest in companies so it works but be careful who you get your money from and then I, I think uh I definitely think resilience is a big thing and you, you touched yeah. on that you know you 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 have to be prepared for the bad days mm-hmm. you know they will come there'll be days and curveballs will happen that's that's just uh that's just par for the course really right but but I, I would definitely say, uh, in closing, uh, to to a young girl or or boy or girl who are thinking about starting a business, um, take risks. Yeah, take risks. Because if, if you don't, if you don't take risks at this stage, and you play it safe, well, you'll always be asking yourself, "What if?" Right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's a calculated risks. You know, yes. do your homework, don't do anything stupid and always, you know, run it by a couple of people who you trust. Yeah, correct. That's, that's fantastic advice. Anthony, Kieran, thank you so much for being on our Small Business Edge podcast. I am going to have you back on because I still have about a dozen questions I still want to ask you. So so let me know when your next venture is is getting ready to launch. We'd love to have you back on to talk about that. And uh to our listeners, um, thank you. Thank you for your suggestions, your feedback, for listening to the shows. You know, you asked me, a number of you asked me to deal or to, to talk more about lifestyles and, and get the stories behind the, the people who were successful. And today's a perfect example of that. So I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week on another edition of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.